This afternoon I preach you the Word of God as it is summarized and confessed by the church in Lord's Day 7 of the Heidelberg Catechism. If you, you could find a book of praise in the Heidelberg Catechism is found at the back of that book of praise in Lord's Day 7 on page 523. And here the church confesses Are all men then saved by Christ just as they perished through Adam? No. Only those are saved who by a true faith are grafted into Christ and accept all his benefits. What is true faith? True faith is a sure knowledge whereby I accept as true all that God has revealed to us in his word. At the same time, it is a firm confidence that not only to others but also to me, God has granted forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness and salvation out of mere grace, only for the sake of Christ's merits. This faith, the Holy Spirit, works in my heart by the gospel. What then must a Christian believe? All that is promised us in the gospel, which the articles of our Catholic and undoubted Christian faith teach us in a summary. What are these articles? And then follows the Apostles' Creed, that we sang this morning. Beloved Church of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ, whether a person is gullible and believes anything that people tell them, like that it says gullible on the ceiling above us, or people are skeptical, and insist on clear proof before believing someone's story, no one can live their life without trusting in their abilities, in the abilities or descriptions and the interpretations and the promises of other people. Since we are not God who can see everything perfectly at the same time, and we are unable to see the heart and the motives of others, everybody needs faith to survive. You, Christian, are not different from your neighbor because you believe in something you cannot see. Non-Christians believe in things they cannot see as well. In order for society to continue to function, businessmen have to believe that the contracts will be honored. Scientists have to believe in the reliability of their instruments. And members of a family have to believe that it is safe to be in the same house together. Many people believe that the islands in the Pacific Ocean exist just because they have been told about them or have seen some pictures. Even atheists need faith in their principles to maintain their position. James says that the demons believe that God is one. Having faith does not distinguish Christians from non-Christians. But what distinguishes these different groups is what they believe about where they came from, who they are, and what they are meant to do. Only Christians believe that God leads them by his word and spirit to see that their most important task in all of life is to glorify and worship the Lord. 
when we talk about what we believe to be true, we need to talk about our core values that influence our perspectives on life, our life choices, and our daily conduct. If you imagine all the priorities in your life, like layers of an onion, with the least important things on the outside and the most important things on the inside, people will find different things in the center. And you can find the core values of your life by asking what it is that you desire most in this life. Is it control? Comfort? Adventure? Happiness? Or is it worshiping God? You can also find your core values by asking what it is that you fear most in this life. Is it supernatural forces? Poverty? Boredom? Suffering? Sickness? Or is it separation from the Holy God? Another way to see what is in your heart and the core of your being is to look at how you spend your time. What goals do you have in your life? Are you spending your time trying to gain control of your own life by appeasing the supernatural forces, always thinking about chance or magic or, or karma? Or trying to escape? Are you spending your life trying to always escape confrontation or escape suffering? Are you living your life trying to appease the opinions of others, always being that popular person? Or are you trying to find happiness by doing things or, or buying things? What does your life look like? Or is the daily motto for your life that you want to love God and love your neighbor as yourselves? So you can see that core of our being very different and has a very different effect on every aspect of our lives. Whatever is at the center of your life as a core value is what will ultimately motivate your decisions and your behaviors. That is why Christ's shepherds are so concerned when people who call themselves believers or people of faith are not excited to actually worship God. Or they're more focused on getting stuff than on loving God and on being kind and compassionate to their families and neighbors. True faith in our hearts influences all our priorities because God is using this faith as an instrument to graft us into the body of our risen Lord and King, Jesus Christ. Nothing else that a person might value or might believe does this. Nothing else connects you to Christ. There is no other way to be brought into the kingdom of light and salvation except by this instrument of faith that ties you to Christ. Only those who believe in the triune God are saved from God's wrath and can experience the forgiveness of all their sins and live in the hope of everlasting life. True faith unites us to Christ so that God treats us in love like He treats His very own Son. 
He dwells in us by His Spirit, and He makes us share in all the benefits that Christ has obtained for His church. True faith is life-changing. And if you peel back the, the layers of life, just like an onion, the greatest desire of those who are grafted into Christ by true faith is to worship the God who created them, to glorify Him in everything that they do, and to love Him in eternal fellowship. And I preach to you this gospel under the theme, faith is a gift of God that is infused into the core of our being. We'll see, first of all, the Christian faith. That's the truth we believe many times in Scripture. For example, in 1 Timothy 3, verse 9, and 4, verse 1, and 5, verse 8, all that we believe is referred to as the faith, or the Christian faith. We'll see that in the first point. And the second point, the Christian's faith. That's our trust in that truth. When we want to understand what the Christian faith asserts as truth, we confess that we need to open our Bibles. We accept as true all that God has revealed to us in His Word. And when we start reading through our Bibles and studying it, we will notice that unlike any other literature in the world, the Bible makes an exclusive claim to the truth. The Christian faith that is revealed in the Scriptures is presented as the standard for evaluating the truth or the falsehood of every human philosophy, principle, book, and opinion of people that we may read or study. It's a simple formula, really. Any statement or promise that contradicts the Scriptures, we believe, is necessarily false. Conclusions that speak about things that are not addressed in the Scriptures can possibly be true, although we must be careful not to depend on the argument of silence. And finally, anything that repeats what is revealed in the Scriptures is necessarily true. This is the truth that is summarized in the statements of faith that are found in the church's creeds and confessions. The Christian faith revealed in the Word of God declares that there is only one God in three persons, that He controls everything in His sovereignty, and that He has all authority in heaven and on earth to judge the living and the dead. The faith that was delivered to men by God and that is taught in all true churches outlines that all people, as we confess, deserve to perish through Adam because they share in his rebellion against God and deserve the same punishment. Yet, that declaration of our sins, our sinfulness, that's so unpopular among those who do not want to hear that their core values our vanity in a chasing after the wind, that declaration of sins is not the end of all that God has revealed. The divine revelation of our sins and misery serves to drive us to our Savior, the Son of God. In the same way that an emergency response team member might first come and tell a family about the danger and and the nearness of a wildfire in order to convince them to evacuate their own homes and accept the help that is provided for them, God's description of our rebellion and the punishment we deserve, it leads us to see the rich blessings of the, the offer, the gospel of salvation. 
And the focus of the Christian faith is on the good news of salvation in Jesus Christ the Lord, who has been punished for us and in our place so that we might never more be forsaken by God. God tells us that our salvation does not depend on what we can or what we cannot do because he speaks to us of grace. We are saved out of mere grace only for the sake of Christ's merits. And so we see the solution to to misery in our lives. It's not found in our health or in our comfort or in our husband and wife or in our children. And God does not even promise to save you from poverty and sickness and and loneliness as we saw in Psalm 34 this morning. What you need, what we all need, is the forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation. And we confess that this is what God has given to us through His only begotten Son, Jesus Christ. This is what we receive when we believe that truth. The Christian faith is a message of amazing grace, a message of eternal joy, a message of complete transformation. We believe that Jesus came to reign as king in the center of the lives of, of sinners so that our greatest love is God's grace and his praise is continually on our lips. The Catholic and undoubted Christian faith is a collection of truth statements that shape our core values. And so they're always relevant for our lives, wherever we may live in the world, in whatever age. It's never outdated. And the truth itself never needs revisions. And so it can be summarized and used in any part of the world, in any age, to unite the church of Jesus Christ, all true Christians, At their most fundamental level, we're connected heart to heart in the same confession of the same faith. We can see how this is done in the beautiful creeds and confessions that the Church of Jesus Christ has adopted through the ages in order to glorify God. And not only do these millennially relevant summaries make all that we believe perfectly transparent and subject to scrutiny and evaluation. There's no mystery religion here. But these creeds and confessions, these statements of faith, they also assist the members of Christ's church as they reach out to their neighbors and explain what they believe. You could say, it's all here. Just read that. That is what the truth is. That is what I believe. And since Jesus wanted this gospel message to go out into all the world, followers of the way brought the faith to others, making use of a clear list of articles that a Christian must believe in order to be saved. Our triune God made it very clear that the Christian faith is not just one truth that a person can choose to believe or not, but that it is the only truth. And we pray for God to bless the translation of of the Bible into many different languages. Is that a part of your regular prayer, that this truth can be known in every language, in every country in the world? 
And we pray that this gospel proclamation, this good news might be proclaimed so that more and more people might believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. And like we read in John 20, verse 31, and so believing they may have life in his name. When a person comes into contact with the Christian faith, they will either deny its call to submit to God in repentance, or they will accept as true all that God has revealed in his word, and be confident that they are saved by grace. So how do you react to the message of the gospel? What do you see happening in your hearts and in your life and in your priorities? When God works in the life of a person, when God infuses faith in the Christian faith, right into the core of their being, it influences every part of their lives. The scripture says it, the righteous will, will live by faith. We'll see the Christian's faith. So when Christians talk about their faith, instead of the faith, they talk about their faith, they are talking about the fact that by the gracious working of God, we believe that the Bible is true that the triune God saves us from the punishment we deserve for our sins and God restores us to fellowship with Him. By believing in Jesus Christ, we are united to Jesus Christ. We become a, a part of His body. We, everything that He has done is, is we who have done it in God's sight. And so we are accepted into the family of God as his innocent children. And there he protects us and provides for us. And he guides us by his power in all of our lives. That step of believing in Jesus Christ, it, it draws you in, out of darkness, into light. And everything changes. And Christians show that God has infused faith into the core of their being by their willingness to depend on God, to trust in Him, to receive Christ's work in their place, to love their neighbor. When we believe in God, we are actually transferred from darkness into light, from spiritual poverty into eternal riches. And you're going to see that in our lives. Whereas believing in the importance of any other goal, having any other major value in your heart driving you, any other one will make it necessary for us to be strong and capable. If you're worshiping another religion, all those other religions want you to do something. Magic requires you to do something. Working hard to, to get more money. If money is your, is your value, you need to do something. If you want to have a joy, you think, I need to have money and or plan vacations. All these other values call on you to do something. But believing in Jesus Christ sets you free from earning anything. You are already in the arms of a loving Father. The poor in spirit, says our Lord Jesus, receive the kingdom of heaven as an inheritance. It's given to us. It has been obtained for us by Christ. 
It's given to us as a gift because we are a part of His body. We, we just share in everything that He has received. And if you believe, then, that your friend meant it when he or she said that they loved you, well, then you don't spend all your time trying to earn the other person's love. But you shape your life based on this assumption. You live in love. If you believe that God loves you, you don't spend your life trying to earn His love, but you live in His love. If you believe that level one on your video game is completed, you show that you believe that by moving to level two. The Christian's faith in Christ makes them see that any attempts to any attempts at doing good works to earn salvation are as pointless as pretending to open a door that has already been opened. You see, the Christian's faith allows them to walk past all the self-righteous pretenders who are trying to earn praise by their works and walk past all those ignorant unbelievers who, who don't know the truth. And the Christian can walk past them all through the door that Christ has opened up by His work. And we can move on right away to level two, living in fellowship with God. It's a beautiful picture. And although we like to imagine that we have completely entrusted ourselves, our lives into His care, kind of like those games you might play where one person throws themselves backwards into the receiving arms of a friend, the reality is that there are many times in our lives when we fail to rely on Him as our only Lord. Although the Christian faith as a body of teaching is unchanging and constant, a Christian's faith is something that varies dramatically in each person and in our lives at different times. By calling the disciples, you of little faith. And later, addressing some believers as weak in faith, the Holy Spirit reveals that it is possible to have more or less faith, or faith that can be strong or weak. That's why the disciples were praying to Jesus, increase our faith. And other, at other times, the apostles spoke of strengthening the faith of believers. And he called them to the need to stand firm in the faith. He knows that sometimes we don't. We, we waver. We, we, we trip. It's clear that the knowledge and the acceptance of God's Word as true and confidence in the work of Jesus Christ is something that might be varying or might be different in our lives. It's like we stated this morning, as we prepared our hearts for participating in the Lord's Supper, we do not have perfect faith. And we do not serve God with such zeal as He requires. Daily, we have to contend with the weakness of our faith and with the evil desires of our flesh. To picture the difference between strong and weak faith, 
we can imagine a scene. We can imagine that there's air, and underneath the air there's a body of water, like a lake or something. We can imagine then that, that the air is the blessed truth that helps us to survive. And fallen sinners are like people who have plunged into the lake where there's no oxygen to breathe. The water of the lake is like the lies of the devil and temptations that might fulfill our sinful desires but are waging war against our souls. They're, in the end, they're very dangerous for us. Anyone who tries to breathe in these lies and these temptations are like somebody who's in the water trying to breathe in the water. You will eventually drown. But people who come up out of the water to breathe fresh air, they will survive longer. Only those who have faith, who believe that there is air up above the water and that it's necessary for survival, will come up out of the water to breathe. In the same way, only those who have faith in God and His promises will trust in Him, will turn to Him for forgiveness and for strength to deal with the temptations and hardships in this life. The difference between a person with weak faith and a person with strong faith is that a person with strong faith will spend more time breathing in the blessed truth of God's love. People with weak faith may take a breath of air once in a while in times of emergency because they know God is there and, and they know that He loves them. They'll take a deep a breath of air, they'll take a gulp, and then they'll try to face their problems as much as possible on their own strength. But they do not live in that constant fellowship with Him, trying to survive on a, a little bit of oxygen that you are storing in your lungs as you fight against the pressing waters of sin and temptation. It makes life a lot more difficult than constantly dwelling in the presence of God and surrounding Him with your, His love and promises, surrounding yourself with His love and promises all the time. People with strong faith spend most of their time on the surface, inhaling God's truth and depending on God for help through prayer. They show their core values. They're showing that it's their gut reaction. They know where life is and they know the consequences of this value. Relying on God is a gut reaction. The more that we give in to this gut reaction to trust in the Lord, the stronger faith we have. People with strong faith are surface dwellers. Or there are those who always carry big oxygen tanks on their backs wherever they go, especially if they go into hostile territory. As a result, the temptations of the world become less attractive. And the threat of the devil becomes less dangerous. If we imagine the Lord to be like air and life to be like a lake and committing your life to God like breathing air at the surface then a person of little faith will go to for air very few times. And a person with strong faith will spend more time at the surface relying on God's grace to sustain them. Now being in the same water as 
their fellow Christians. It's not like those with strong, li- uh, strong faith have easier lives. You could see that. But their constant reliance on God makes those with strong faith living in those promises of God, in that peace and that comfort and that joy that He is pouring out upon us even in the midst of our struggles. And a Christian's faith, you can see, is strengthened by repetition. The more the truth is held before our eyes, the more that truth will impact our lives. The more that we are repeating the doctrines of grace and the wonderful acts of God like like we do when we sing the psalms and, and the hymns that we also sing, the more we will experience the reality of God's love. The more we are tasting and seeing that the Lord is good. Like a sport, practice and repetition give you a muscle memory so that turning to God's promises and finding joy in, in, in Christ's completed work is, is a heart issue. It's, it's your gut reaction. It's the first thing you do. Try the experiment. Let a week go by where you actually spend more time reading your Bible and praying and spending time of celebration with other faithful believers than you do looking at other people's lives or achievements on your phone. What do you think will happen to your life if you look at this book more than at your smartphone? It's a rich blessing when we're breathing air. It's a rich blessing when we live with regular reminders of the truth, when we're praying and thanksgiving for every little gift that we have, when we hear God repeat again His promises of love, when we submit our lives to that gospel message of grace, when we learn to let go, quit trying to earn things all the time, breathe in grace, That sounds maybe a little bit like platitude. Sometimes we repeat the creed every Sunday and people wonder, why are we saying the same thing over and over? It's because it's the truth. And the most important truth, it's life. A Christian's faith changes their entire experience of life because they live every moment of their life with the benefits of Christ in the front and the center of their lives brings a smile to our faces every, every day, even in the midst of the tears. Because Christ and the gospel far outshines the hardships that we face. Injury, illness, financial distress, addictions, broken relationships. In the midst of it all shines Christ. And then instead of living only for ourselves and for our own comforts, we live for Christ and His kingdom, which will never fail. We confess the forgiveness of sins, everlasting righteousness, and salvation out of mere grace for the sake of Christ's merits. That's truly more valuable 
and more important than any other dream or expectation that we might be focusing our attention on. In Christ, we have everything we need. Whoever believes in God is able to experience an eternal relationship of peace with their Creator, everlasting life in His presence that starts today. We read John 3 this morning. Believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. You will have eternal life. You will have peace and comfort every new day. Amen. We'll now sing together in response uh, hymn 80. We'll sing uh, all the stanzas of hymn 80, standing if you're able to stand for that. And again, this hymn reminds us to repeat his mercies in our song, hymn 80. Thank you. 